Hey, you know what? There is a battle for your heart and it is epic and you're a treasure worth fighting for. Don't fight alone. I want to invite you to join the Treasure Tribe and get access to an amazing online community of women where you can walk by faith and in fellowship with one another. And from that place, find the strength that you need to flourish. And this fall, I'm going to be launching a brand new Bible study inside of the tribe, meeting weekly on Zoom to study God's Word with anybody who joins. And so if you're interested in joining us, sign up for the Treasure Tribe by visiting our website, treasuredtribe.com, signing up for membership, and then look out on for an email from me. I'll give you everything that you need to get started. You know, when you join the Treasured Tribe, you not only get access to amazing benefits, everything you need to study God's Word all in one place, a supportive community to cheer you on, but you're also supporting Treasured Ministries and all that we do, including today's podcast. Welcome to the Live Treasure Podcast, brought to you by Treasured Ministries, where every week we coach you with steps of faith you can take today to change your tomorrow. And now, on to today's show. Hey, how are you? Um, I have a question. How is the weather where you are? Well, in North Carolina in August, it is always so hot. It is so hot. Um, and it's definitely, we know that summer is is winding down. And so it is true of our summer series, What Does It Mean to Forgive? But before we conclude, I've still got some amazing content to share with you. And in today's message, we're going to be talking about the responsibility and the role of reconciliation. You know, there's a big difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. And so in today's video, we're going to be talking about that difference. And to do that, I'm going to be sharing with you a teaching video from the Treasure Tribe Bible study called Dream Builder, where we're looking at the life of Joseph and really the wisdom that he used when he dealt with his brothers who had wounded him. And aren't you just so glad to know that forgiveness doesn't mean you throw wisdom out the window. Hallelujah. Because that's what I thought for years, right? And so it doesn't mean we can't set boundaries. It doesn't mean that we automatically trust a person. You know, there's a big, big difference between that reconciliation and forgiveness. And understanding what that is, is critical because you know, there's a load that we are called to carry in the forgiveness process and really even in the reconciliation process. And if we carry a role that only our offender can carry, we might push premature reconciliation, which is really just pretending, y'all. It's really just pretending. It's not having that authentic healing moment. And you want to make sure you get this, not just for you, right? Not just so if God has given you discernment and tells you to forgive that person, but then says, this is not somebody that is trustworthy, right? That you can honor that. It's not just about that. It is because 
the reason why we don't want to rob as someone who has offended us of their uh, role and responsibility inside of reconciliation is because it is a blessing to them. It is a part of their healing. And you and I, we can step in the way of that, right? If we don't understand with clarity what forgiveness is, what our roles are, what our responsibilities are, what is God's job inside of all of this. So, you know, we've been talking about this, right? And so in today's video, we're going to be sort of wrapping up and giving a summary of what we have already talked about. And then um, we're going to launch into this part about reconciliation. Now, next week, I am way excited about what I'm teaching on next week. And that's all I'm going to say about that. You guys are going to just need to, you know, make sure you listen in. Next week is going to be the bomb daddy. But before we do that, we need to cover this piece of it. So without further ado, let's get started with today's message. You know, we have been over the last few videos, actually it hasn't been a few, it's been a lot. We've been walking through the Bible, looking at what the word says about forgiveness. And the reason is, is that oftentimes the concept of forgiveness can become very confusing. And when we're confused about what our role is inside of the forgiveness process, those who have offended us can use religious rhetoric, even scripture. The enemy of your soul himself can use shame to try to push uh, premature reconciliation. And you know, forgiveness is a beautiful uh, remedy that God has given us to handle uh, when offenses come our way. Whenever we're offended, it's not just the hurt that happens initially. There's a loss that we suffer. And so we're looking at what our role is inside of God's remedy to bring restoration. And in today's video, we're going to be talking about really summarizing the points that we've made so far about uh, what role God plays, what role we play. Um, and then we're going to be concluding with what is really important, and that is the role that our offender must play. You know, oftentimes we can get confused uh, between forgiveness and a restored relationship or forgiveness and restored trust. And it's very important for us to discern that truth. And so to do that, I'm going to be bringing to you a video that was previously recorded. Uh, it's a video I recorded for the Treasured Tribe, uh, which goes into the story of Joseph and how he handled wounds from his brother. In addition to that, we're going to be diving into scriptures from Leviticus as well as the New Testament. Um, and you and I are going to see that God's ways work and they truly do 
heal. And so without further ado, uh, let's take a look at the video. You know what? I'm telling you something. If Joseph were here today, I would totally 2000% in a heartbeat hire him as my life coach. I mean, we've seen Joseph just be such the hero as he walked through such valleys as the pit and the prison. Uh, we saw him keep his spiritual integrity intact even when he was all alone inside of Egypt. We saw him have the courage not to pray to Potiphar's manipulation, but to stand under his maker's hand. And then we saw that God gave him this amazing wisdom and insight where he could interpret dreams. And it took him all the way from the pit to the prison and then promoted into the palace. And then once he was inside the palace, because he had that amazing wisdom, he was able to build wealth for Egypt and to steward their resources so that when when famine came, that they were in a good position. And while Joseph is an awesome businessman, right, and, uh, and, and can just has that resilience and he could coach us right through that, the main reason why I would want to sit with Joseph and have him be my life coach was the way that he handled the wounds from his family in such a fashion that it brought about authentic reconciliation. Today, I'm going to be talking to you about a very tender topic, and that is forgiveness and reconciliation. And I don't know if any of you can identify uh, with this, but for years, I desperately wanted to be obedient to God. Uh, I, I wanted to forgive. There was no question in my heart that the Word of God was true. There was no doubt in my mind. Uh, that, that the pathway that I wanted to put myself on was one that walked in accordance with the Word. I very much wanted to obey God's clear command about forgiving my offenders, but I often agonized over and over and over again about what Christian love and forgiveness required of me. And I believe that there is a uh, dramatic insensitivity over the complexity of forgiveness and reconciliation uh, as the Bible teaches us in, inside of that doctrine. Many a woman will come to me and they will share stories. Uh, and, and I think probably the most profound are those women whose husbands finally come to them and admit I've been having an affair. Or they come to them and admit, you know what? I've been addicted to pornography. And so here's this man, and he is a church-going godly man, and he comes to his wife, and he's finally gotten up the courage to confess a secret that's been buried for years, perhaps. And once he releases that, 
the husband feels better, right? Because he's buried the secret, but now he's dropped that burden right in his wife's lap. And now the wife is carrying the wound of betrayal. And I've heard from many a woman (laughs) that she's gone into counseling sessions and a counselor will tell her, you know what, just forgive him. Or she'll go into church after this happens and she hears biblical messages on forgiveness. And because that woman is like you and like me, we have a heart. We want to pursue the truth and walk that out. There's a shame that she's carrying and a wrestling that she's carrying. She knows she should forgive, but she doesn't know how to do it. And what is she supposed to do with this betrayal that's just been dumped inside of her of her lap? Many Christian resources will tell you to forgive, but they don't define it for you and they don't tell you how to do it. You know, forgiveness does not eliminate the negative consequences of an offender, and it does not automatically grant reconciliation. You know, Joseph, when he was working with his brothers who had wounded him, he never threw out his wisdom. He handled that situation uh, with boundaries and with wisdom and with testing his brothers and with patience and with kindness, but with sternness and firmness, right? He never threw out his wisdom. And because Joseph handled the wound wisely, because he was patient, and we're going to get into this in a minute, because of that, his brothers experienced true repentance. You know, uh, inside of uh, the William Worsbury commentary, which is one that I love to read, uh, William was sharing this story that a woman came up to him and said, you know, I think that Joseph should have just offered forgiveness right off the bat. And and William Worsbury explained inside of his commentary, he said that he believed that Joseph ultimately was acting in courageous love, that he wanted the very best best for his brothers. And so rather to step in and offer that premature reconciliation, Joseph went through what I believe was a very God-led process. Joseph did not throw out wisdom when dealing with his brothers who had wounded him. The Bible says in Acts 7.10 that God gave Joseph wisdom And you know something, you might be saying, as as I was doing in the very beginning, shoot, I wish Joseph could just be here and coach me (laughs) inside of my family mess or inside of this situation inside of church where I've been wounded, right? But you know something, you and I do have access to wisdom, and it is the Word of God, the entire counsel of God that the Lord has prepared for you and for me. And so today, you and I are going to really draw on the entire counsel of God to get some clarity on this concept You know, our wisdom can be found in the Word of God. And in order to draw a clear, correct, biblical definition of forgiveness 
and reconciliation and what it requires, the entire counsel of God must be considered. And so today, you and I are going to be looking, not necessarily going in our passage as I normally do, line upon line, precept upon precept. We're going to be talking about this concept of forgiveness and reconciliation, and we're going to be looking at how Joseph applied wisdom uh, to his situation. And you know, not only do you and I have the wisdom of the Bible, We have the Holy Spirit that dwells within us, that every day we can ask for wisdom. And when I need wisdom, I ask the Holy Spirit to speak to me. I've got the Word of God and I've got the Holy Spirit that can illuminate truth, specific truth for my situation. So guess what? You don't have to pay a gazillion dollars hiring a life coach. And Joseph, right? I mean, he's not here, right? But we have the Holy Spirit and we have the word. Now, the first thing that I want to point out to you is that the Bible tells us that we are to forgive as Christ forgave us, and there's no loopholes around it. I know because I've looked for it, right? You and I are to forgive as Christ forgave us. But because of that, I think it's important for us to look and see how did God forgive us and what does that mean? Well, it just so happens and God orders everything. But right now in my quiet time, as I'm preparing these messages for the dream builder, I'm walking through the book of Leviticus and and I've been studying the different types of offering and offerings that people make uh, for their sins. And one of those offerings is called the trespass offering or the guilt offering. And that offering has to do when you sin against uh, the Lord's temple or the Lord's holy things, or you sin against another person. And I want to just read this to you quickly. It comes from Leviticus 5, 15 and 16, and then also Leviticus 6, 1 through 7. The Lord said to Moses, when anyone is unfaithful to the Lord by sinning unintentionally in regard to any of the Lord's holy things, they are to bring to the Lord as a penalty a ram from the flock, one without defect, and of the proper value in silver according to the sanctuary shekel. It is a guilt offering. Okay, what, what I read was that that was talking about the temple. Well, guess what? You and I are the temple. And God takes when you are wounded, when somebody has hurt you physically, emotionally in your soul, God takes that very seriously. Now also inside of this, we, we have one type of sin where where somebody um, uh, hurts the temple, desecrates the temple. Um, and then also in Leviticus 6, it says, if anyone sins and is unfaithful to the Lord by deceiving a neighbor about something entrusted to them or left in the care about something stolen, or they cheat their neighbor, or if they find lost property and lie about it or if they falsely swear any such sin that people may commit. 
And so because of that, the sin had to be dealt with. That's another thing that you see in Leviticus, that when there is offense, when there is sin, it has to be dealt with. Even if it's unintentional, it has to be dealt with. And so so then it says that they're to bring um, as a penalty a ram from the flock, one without defect. Um, And and we know that we don't have these, these temples now with these offerings of rams. We know that Jesus Christ was the perfect Lamb of God that took away the sin. Uh, So that's been done. Um, And then it says, They must make restitution for what they have failed to do in regard to the holy things, pay an additional penalty of the fifth of its value and give it to the priest. So so first of all, the person had to bring the ram, and then he also had to make restitution restitution. In other words, he had not only to pay back what damage he had done, but he also had to pay an additional fifth uh, or 20%. And what's the point? That in order for there to be um, a conclusion, a reconciliation, the offender had to not just show up with a ram. (laughs) The offender had to take action to make things right. And then it says this, the priest will make atonement for them with the ram as a guilt offering and they will be forgiven. So the priest took the ram and it made atonement for them. And Jesus Christ, right, is is our great high priest. And he's also the lamb. And he makes atonement for that. But the point of this is that whenever there is trespass, right, we have to make it right. We have to use God's process. And in order to do that, you know, when I sin, whenever I sin, I am always, the Bible tells me in Colossians, I stand before God without a single fault. I walk under grace, right? But the Bible also says that we must confess our sins, right? To receive that forgiveness. And there's a big difference between walking under God's forgiveness, which once you come to Christ, it's a free gift, and receiving that forgiveness. And that's the act of this, coming to God and receiving that forgiveness. And that's the only way that you and I can deal with the shame in our life. It is the only way any person can deal with the shame in in their lives is to come to God and to receive that forgiveness. It's God's responsibility to give judicial forgiveness. In other words, only God can declare a sinner righteous. Only God can say you are forgiven, right? Only God can do that. Only God can remove shame from the sinners. Humans cannot offer it. The offender back in Leviticus, 
He had to go to the high priest, and only the high priest could could um, go through the process of releasing the sin on the ram. And so it is for you and I that only God can relieve, can only God can remove the shame and declare the person purified and righteous and blame and blameless. Humans cannot offer it. Now, why is this important? This is critical because many times women who have been abused um, or, for example, if, if a husband comes and he says, I've had an affair, there's this pressure often that a woman will feel. Why? Because the offender wants you to relieve them of their guilt. They want you to accept their apology right away because they've been holding on to this guilt. They want to make the relationship right. And so they come to you and they say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And if you and I offer, there's a difference now between forgiveness and reconciliation. Reconciliation is that restored relationship. If you and I are think that we're the ones that need to relieve that person of their guilt, then we might offer premature reconciliation that will prevent the offender from ever experiencing authentic forgiveness because only God can give that judicial uh, forgiveness. And I want to ask you a question. Are you getting in the way of God's responsibility of judicial forgiveness so that the offender can never really experience authentic forgiveness? You know, in the very beginning of our Nourish Scripture this week, we see that that Joseph did not just jump right in, that he recognized his brothers, and he could have just, you know, jumped right in and just offered them immediate reconciliation, but he didn't. And William Wargsbury, and I agree with this, believes that it's because Joseph was wise and he wanted his brothers to come to that true repentance. My next point is our responsibility, um, and that is this, releasing revenge and extending grace. Releasing revenge and extending grace. Now, this is something that you don't even do with your offender. You do it with the Lord. You do it with God. It does not even involve the person that offended you. And it is our responsibility. And what is it? <laughs> because oftentimes, you know, if, if we think of letting go of my right to hurt somebody that hurt me, you know, for years I thought, you know, I'm letting go of justice and this is not fair. Somebody is getting off the hook that, that really hurt me, but, but it's not that, right? We make room for God's wrath and God's justice when we let go of our right to get ours. 
it is letting go of my right to hurt another person for hurting me. We let go of revenge and we release our offender to God. The Bible says this, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. And so that's the first part of our responsibility. We release our right to revenge. And see, this is part of God's plan, because if it were the other way, there would just be this world of everybody hurting everybody and everybody coming back that there's got to be a person that is bold enough to trust God's provision and and stop hurting back. And I'll never forget when the Lord revealed to me (laughs) that even my passive aggressive comments, (laughs) that was a way I was getting back at somebody or my sarcasm, right? We leave all revenge, all ideas of hurting another person that has hurt us, we leave those on the table. And that is what we must let go of. You know, in the parable of the the, uh, unmerciful servant, the Bible tells us that we must forgive from our heart. And, you know, when we think about our heart, we automatically think of feelings. Like, I need to, like, have lovey-dovey feelings towards this person. But I want to just toss out to you that back in those times, that what the heart meant, um, it wasn't just emotion, that it was the mind. And so it's a matter of you and I taking those thoughts captive and saying, you know what? I'm not wasting my energy anymore. I'm going to turn, release this person over to the Lord, and I'm going to let that go. And see, here's the thing. God knows the whole story. He knows everything. And God can administer justice in a way that you and I would never be able to do. And the bottom line is this, what William Worsbury points out about Joseph, and I believe this with everything in me, is that Joseph's heart was really to bring his brothers to repentance And really, when we let God God just do His job and we don't worry about it in that respect, it's not that we're letting go of justice. We're letting God bring about uh, the justice instead. But it's not only um, releasing revenge or letting go of that right. The other part uh, of our responsibility is to love our enemies. And I know what you're thinking. I'd rather eat dirt. I mean, you might, I'm just saying, I mean, you know, sometimes I read that command and I think about somebody that's, you know, I don't really like, and I'm like, oh, I'd rather eat dirt. God, I mean, come on, let's you and I be real. But here's the thing, is that loving our enemies does not mean, and here's another misconception that I got so off track of with forgiveness for years. Loving our enemies does not mean that we like them. It doesn't mean that we have loving feelings towards them. Love is an action. 
um, in, in the Bible, the, the God's word for love is an action-oriented love. It's not necessarily um, feeling lovey-dovey and warm, fuzzy feelings. And for many years, I felt like I was walking in unforgiveness because I didn't have the warm fuzzies uh, towards somebody that, that had offended me. And here's what God is saying. Despite how you feel, <laughs> will you love your enemies with actions? We release actions. We treat our enemies with a kindness that they don't deserve. You know, the Bible says that kindness leads to repentance. Now, not niceness. Niceness doesn't set any boundaries. Niceness is pretending like everything is okay. That's not going to lead to repentance. But when you're kind, and when you can extend love as an action towards people that have offended you, that is what you and I are called to do. And sometimes, right? And I love that the Bible tells us to pray for our enemies because we think, well, that's not really anything huge, but it's sometimes it's the biggest thing that we can do. And, and, the, and where we need to start really is by asking God to change our heart and our thinking to where we see the people that offended and wounded us as wounded themselves. And now this does not mean extending grace does not mean enabling more abuse. It does not mean not letting a person feel the consequences of their own actions. It does not mean that you tell the person, that's okay, it really didn't hurt. No, what it means is, I take the higher road, and I'm going to keep my heart pure. And if I can't do anything, then I'm going to pray. You know, Joseph gave that banquet to his brothers. He provided for his brothers, and, and he didn't even let them pay for the, uh, the wheat, right? And he, he loved his enemies with actions. But you know another way that Joseph loved his, his brothers, his enemies? It was with truth. It was with truth. He was very stern with his brothers. We saw that. And you know, courageous love never lets go of truth. Our responsibility, releasing revenge and loving our enemies in concrete actions. This is what I believe. I believe that Joseph had already forgiven his brothers before they even came. And because of that, it opened up the door uh, for, for reconciliation that he had already said, you know what, I'm not going to get back at them. I'm not going to take revenge, right? Um, and so when he saw them, that wasn't an option, right? I mean, he didn't call down the Egyptian guards and say, off with your heads. He didn't turn his brothers away and say, if you think I'm going to help you after what you did me. No, he had already settled that. And I believe that it's a process. Reconciliation is a process. And the first part is when you and I release uh, our right for revenge or to hurt our offender. 
And then we began beginning in prayer just to extend those love actions towards them. Um, And as we do that, the Lord continues to free our heart. The next thing is the offender's responsibility. You know, oftentimes, right, when people come to us and they apologize and they want to be relieved of their guilt, it can sort of land in our lap. And now we feel like, okay, it's all up to us. And now I've got to, you know, be around this person and hang around this person. But you know something, (laughs) It's the offender's responsibility to see that reconciliation happens. When you go back to that passage in Leviticus, God was clear that there had to be restitution. There had to be a solid action of that offender that would show that he had a true repentant heart. Why? Because true repentance always brings about restitution. That's why I always say (laughs) when somebody apologizes to you, that's a good thing. But before you trust them, you make sure that you look at their actions. And that is exactly what Joseph did. Joseph tested his brothers, right? And he tested his brothers uh, through his brother Benjamin um, when when he gave um, five more portions at the banquet to see how his brothers would react. He tested his brothers. He didn't just When they first came, he didn't just, you know, say, oh, I forgive you, and I'm Joseph, and Shangri-La, everything's fine. He wanted to see what had happened to Benjamin. He wanted to put his eyes on his brother to see if his brothers had changed um, their jealousy against that favorite child, right? And, and, And Joseph tested his brothers when he put that silver cup in in Benjamin's um, sack to see how his brothers would respond. Would they just cast aside um, that other favorite brother or would they come to his rescue? Joseph was careful and cautious and he provided opportunities to see his brother's actions, to see if reconciliation um, was a possibility, you know, a relationship, a restored relationship is only possible when genuine repentance has occurred. Forgiveness does not mean, ladies, that we automatically trust an offender. That is not what it means. And The litmus test of if we can trust that person is not in a person saying, just trust me, trust me, trust me. It is in actions, right? And before we do this, we have to set boundaries to to see, is this person um, trustworthy? Again, don't be afraid to set boundaries because boundaries are biblical. And the other reason um, you want to think about you as a temple right? As God's temple. And you want to value yourself and set boundaries accordingly. 
you know, for years, I didn't feel like I could tell people no or set boundaries. And so I just got bitter. And let me tell you something, that boundaries are so much better uh, than bitterness. And if you don't feel ready to rush into this relationship on an intimate level or to trust that person again, that's okay. And if that person is a healthy person, they will respect your No. Um, Joseph's actions uh, brought about a confrontation. Um, And the confrontation that he ended up having with his brothers led to authentic communication. We, We saw them at the very end, you know, talking amongst each other and just juxtaposed that with Genesis 37, where his brothers couldn't even say a kind word. And because there was this confrontation, and you know, the confrontation um, really was um, the, the, the way that the events were orchestrated so that the brothers had to admit the truth to their father, to themselves, um, and, and just to see their sin. And, and many times, I believe that the Holy Spirit will prompt us to, to confront others um, and, to, and that that really is a key to bringing about that restoration. And make no mistake about it, that when you are walking out your purpose, that offense will come and that the enemy will want you to play into his hands and into his schemes. Why? Because he wants to get you so caught up in getting that person back and in hate that you'll waste all your emotional energy on that. That person instead of pouring into your purpose. You and I, though, like Joseph, we can follow the biblical mandate, and you and I can release others to open up our arms and receive from God so that we can walk out our dream. So that wraps up our podcast today. Be sure you listen in next week. Um, I'm way excited about next week's message. And hey, I'd love to study God's Word with you. And I'd love for you to meet this amazing community of women from all across the country. We have such a special sisterhood. Visit treasuretribe.com and sign up today and I'll see you soon. Have an amazing rest of your week and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks again. Bye-bye.